Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Greetings, saints. It's now been, I think, six weeks of shutdown for many of us in the United States. Perhaps it's been longer in other parts of the world, perhaps a little bit less. Um, at least in Ohio, where I live, the stay-at-home orders are expiring tomorrow. That's May 1st. And the state is beginning to reopen to businesses and other things. And our governor, Governor DeWine, is doing a, a tiered rollout of reopening. And many of your states may be doing the same thing. Perhaps your country, wherever that might be, is doing the same thing. And that means that many of us are looking forward to getting back to quote-unquote normal. Uh, there's a lot of debate as to whether we'll ever really go back to normal or not or that whether we'll just come up with a, a new normal. But what I will say is this. As you prepare to go back to whatever normal ends up looking like, you ought to make some time to do a little bit of self-reflection. What has the coronavirus crisis taught you? <laughs> now, you may be in various stages of the crisis for some Maybe it's over for some, you're in the middle of it. For some, uh, perhaps it never really got that bad. We have to acknowledge that because the United States is such a large territory. Some of us were more deeply affected by this crisis than others. But we were all affected in that we were told to stay home. And many of us complied uh, because of public health safety. We value the safety of other people. We value life. And so we were complying with the recommendations that the government provided. But as we prepare to enter society again, have you taken a moment to reflect on what the shutdown has taught you? What has the shutdown taught you about yourself? What has it taught you about your family? What has it taught you about the way that you've organized your life or the things that you've considered to be priorities? I know one of the things that I thought about as soon as this shutdown happened was that it would be a great opportunity for families to reconnect in a way that is a more traditional connection. What I mean by that is because there were no sporting activities because there were you know, no plays, no dance practices, no recitals. All of those activities were canceled. It would mean that families would be staying home, most likely eating dinner together, doing family time in the evenings. And my encouragement to members of my flock, my encouragement to my friends was use this time to strengthen your family. Use this time to build your family. So I wondered, have you done that during the shutdown? Has this been a good opportunity for you to reconnect and recalibrate your life? One of the things that I have reflected on 
as this shutdown is coming to a close and as Ohio begins to reopen is that during the shutdown, I was a better and more engaged dad. And, and that's largely due to the fact that you couldn't be disengaged with other things, other projects, other hobbies, places to go had to be put aside. Now, if you know me or you know my wife, you know that we are very, I shouldn't say very, but we are consciously protective of our family time and our family meals and other aspects of family life. We try to make sure that we say no to activities that would interfere and disrupt our family. That, that doesn't mean that we're perfect or that everything goes exactly the way that we want to or that life looks like Mayberry. But it does mean that we're, we're conscientious of that. One thing that the shutdown has taught me is that, you know, I thought that I was an engaged dad, but I think being with my children for the last six weeks in the evenings has helped me to be even more engaged. It's been frustrating at times too. I'm not going to lie. It's been frustrating because there are times where I, as a, as a dad, want to go out and be with some other men. I want to go get some encouragement from some of my friends or work on some things that are adult-related instead of child-related. And so that has been frustrating. That doesn't mean that that's bad or good. It's just the way it is. And I, I would imagine if each of us were honest who are listening to this, we would say, yeah, we've had that frustration in, in, in various ways in our own time during the shutdown. And I'm not saying that to be a negative. I'm just saying it's, it's a reality. If we're self-reflecting, I want to speak the truth about what really happened to me during the shutdown. Yes, I was a more engaged dad. I was doing more things with my children, but there were also moments where you, I was frustrated because some of the friendships that I have, some of the relationships that I have, and the things that I do, I wasn't able to cultivate and do those things. Again, I'm not saying one's right or wrong, but it does help me going forward to reevaluate what are my priorities? How can I maintain that good engagement with my children moving forward? Maybe I should think more carefully about what types of things I schedule and what activities I become involved in. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to think about, hey, you know what? Not having a spring baseball season or a spring soccer season or whatever the sporting season is, maybe that was good for my family. Maybe this was a real positive thing because it drew us together instead of pulling us in a bunch of different directions. I'm not saying it's right or wrong to play sports or, or do ballet or, or dance or any of those kinds of things. I'm just saying it's something to think about. It's something that we really ought to consider. Our family did grow closer together because we spent some additional time doing Bible-related studies, Bible-related uh, singing, you know, hymn singing, uh, some prayer time, those types of things. So that was a good blessing for us. What about you? Did you make some time during this shutdown to do some 
Bible reading or Bible study that was additional, that was extra? I would say it's even hard when you have uh, the shutdown, okay? When, even when you can't go someplace, it's hard to integrate some of those things into your family routine, especially like for me, I have young, younger children. My children tend to be on the younger side. The oldest one is about to turn nine. Then I've got, you know, six, about to turn five, and then a three-year-old. And so the three and the five-year-old, they have a, a limited attention span. So what can you do? What can you do? You have to do things that are age appropriate. But I hope that by making some steps and doing some of the things that we did, it will help lay a foundation for them, a love of learning about the Word of God that will continue on into other parts of their life and in the future as they grow older. I think that our family has learned to appreciate and enjoy one another. We've shared a lot of family laughs. We've really had some great opportunities to uh, do some ex encouraging and fun things together at home. Two of my children learned how to ride their bikes without training wheels. Another child of mine um, learned to go mountain biking. They all have transitioned to homeschooling pretty well, just like many other students throughout the country have all had to transition to homeschooling. They've done a good job of that, and they've been thankful for that. My wife and I have really tried to encourage our kids during this time when they can't go places or see their friends or look at the park. We've tried to encourage them to be grateful for the things that we are able to do. And I think gratitude and thanksgiving is one of the biggest antidotes to anxiety and to grumbling and complaining. If you're anxious and you're worried about what may happen, being thankful and demonstrating gratitude is one of the greatest ways that you can overcome anxiety. You start to reflect on how good God is, how God has always cared for you, how God has always provided for you, how he's presently providing for you. And when you reflect on those types of truths, it helps you minimize that future unknown. You see, that's the, that's the key to anxiety is there's always this what if, and then there's a scenario after it. And you don't even know if that scenario is going to come true or not. We have appreciated, we've enjoyed one another, we've laughed. We, we did uh, get our, our three-year-old potty trained. He did not want to get potty trained. But everybody in the family rallied around him, supported him, cheered him on, encouraged him, and now he's doing really, really well with his potty training at the end of three weeks. What other reflections? Well, I think that for all of us, we realize that friends, whether you're an extroverted person or an introverted person, you know, whether you thought that you were an extrovert and you needed other people or you were an introvert and you think, ah, I don't really need people. I think all of us realize that there is a great encouragement that we receive through other people. I think God created us for fellowship. God created us for community. What was Adam doing in the evening in the gardens? He was walking with God. He was fellowshipping with God. 
That's how God designed him. And God designed us as human beings to fellowship with him. He also designed us to fellowship with one another. And there is an important spiritual reality to that truth that we have a responsibility to fellowship with one another and to receive encouragement from one another. It's hard when you're not able to do that face to face. That's very difficult. And so maybe if you're doing some self-reflection right now, perhaps you ought to ask yourself, what relationships do I need to establish so that I can receive this fellowship from others in a more complete way? What relationships do I need to focus on so that I can be encouraged by other people? What relationships are really important for me to develop and to cultivate? I think true fellowship comes from those who we're closest to because we are vulnerable to them. And they see into our lives, they see our flaws, and they're able to point those things out. And that's a good thing. All right. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And Proverbs also says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. I miss my friends. I miss the fellowship of time with them. And I can imagine that's magnified for people who maybe don't have a large family to live with. My friends, I have some who are single guys. They don't have a large family to live with. And I I hope that this experience causes each of us to value our friendships and to make an effort to deepen those relationships when we're able to meet more regularly face-to-face. Finally, my last self-reflection involves church. Now, as one of the pastors of the Grace Brethren Chapel, I've been involved with the other three pastors in the decision-making process to suspend our services. And I want you to know that we didn't suspend our services because we believe the government was telling us we couldn't meet. We recognized from the very beginning that churches were on the exempt list. They could continue operating because they were an essential business, especially here in Ohio. So we didn't feel a pressure from governing authorities to not meet. What we did recognize is that there was a pressure and there was a purpose in not meeting to care for the health of one another. You see, there was so much information at the beginning of this crisis that was unknown or poor or not fleshed out in full detail. And I would say even after six weeks of continual closures and shutdowns, the amount of information that we have is still rather incomplete. And so there are different sets of facts that people are using to make decisions on whether to stay open or whether to close, how much distance do you really need to have, who's the most um, susceptible people to this. I think one thing that you can say for sure is that the most susceptible people to the coronavirus are those who already have underlying health conditions. 
such as maybe you had a heart surgery or you have a pacemaker or you have diabetes or you know you're overweight or obese those are those are the underlying factors that make getting this virus more dangerous than if you didn't have those factors so our church decided for the safety of our members to suspend our services for a short time what i want to say about that is our heart as pastors was to look out for one another and to care for one another in a way that puts our own interests aside. And if you would be able to see behind the curtain in some of our meetings, you could tell, you could see that we don't always have the same opinion on these types of issues. We have different positions on them, but we work together trying to be selfless and trying to put the interests of others ahead of our own in order to do what is best for the entire congregation. And and I would say that that is the attitude that we've tried to cultivate as a leadership group and that we want to see our church members also cultivate, an attitude that promotes unity in Christ. Unity in Christ far above personal preference. And when we say unity in Christ, I think some people think that's like a key phrase to say, well, you you don't have good doctrine. Well, we do have good doctrine. We have very thoroughly vetted doctrine. And if you would go to our website, www.gbchapel.org, and you read through our statement of faith, it's it's one of the more complete and I would suggest competent statements of faith that you'll read on any church's website. So we find unity. We find unity not by giving up on essential doctrinal issues. We find unity by humbly putting other people ahead of our, ourselves. I think that's a good point of self-reflection. As a church, whether you're in our church or some other church, are you cultivating unity by humbly putting yourself below other people? Are you considering other people as more important than yourselves? This was really the key passage in Philippians chapter 2 when Paul wrote to that church. And there were dissensions and disagreements amongst the people there. And he said, you know what? Don't look out for your own interests, but consider the interests of others as more important than your own. And then he cited the example of Jesus, who didn't consider equality with God something to be understood, something to be held on to, something to be like, well, I, I, it's my right to do this. It was his right to be God, but he set aside the independent exercise of his divine attributes. He didn't cease being God, but he set aside the independent use of his divine attributes in order to serve mankind. And that's what he said right before he went to the cross. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve others, and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. 
I think churches ought to corporately do some self-reflection. How do we cultivate unity, not just in a crisis, but in everyday church life? What are the issues that are worth dying over? You know, what are they, they, they need to be serious doctrinal issues. What are those issues that are worth really going to battle over? And then what are the issues that you could say, you know what, eh, this doctrine really doesn't, it doesn't really make a huge difference in salvation. It's not part of the statement of faith. It's a lower tier doctrine. If I could use that phraseology, there's you know, first tier doctrines, second tier doctrines, there's third tier doctrines. This is a lower tiered doctrine. Is it worth going to war over? You see how fragile culture is. You see how fragile our country is. Do you want your church to be fragile too? Go to war over insignificant things. It'll be fragile. And a crisis will blow it apart instead of bringing it together. And I have to say that I commend uh, the members of our church uh, from what I can tell and what I have observed, they have done an excellent job of reaching out to one another, encouraging one another, coming up with strategies to stay connected, blessing one another with in various ways. We have seen a great spirit of service in our church and a great fostering of unity and togetherness, even though we can't be together through the midst of this pandemic. So to our church family, I say thank you. Job well done. How about you? How about your attitude in your local church? What if you're a church leader? What are you doing to cultivate unity within your body? These times where and we have to admit this, God, God shut everything down. Not that God um, made the coronavirus or released it upon us, but in his providence, God allowed the coronavirus to come into the human population, and God allowed the coronavirus to spread not just through China, but throughout the entire world. And in his providence, God allowed the entire world to shut down. So Yes, God did cause the shutdown when you look at it from the perspective of God's providential workings in human affairs. God did this for a reason. And you know, I'm going to steal a, a political phrase from the party that I'm not really affiliated with, and I, I don't like how they use it, but I think it's important in this context. The phrase is never let a good crisis go to waste. And this political party happens to mean that in that, well, let's use a crisis to advance our political agenda. I think we as believers ought to maybe adopt that phrase, but alter it, all right? Never let a good crisis go to waste in transforming you to Christ-likeness. Now, if you listen to my last two episodes on tribulations, that was the entire theme of those two episodes. How do tribulations transform you to the image of Christ? I think we as Christians, we, we get in this mindset of seeking comfort 
more often than we seek transformation. And God, because he's sovereign and he's powerful, God caused the shutdown. And therefore, it's important to say, God, what do you want us to learn through this crisis? God, how can I not let this crisis go to waste in my life? These questions of self-reflection are important questions. And it shouldn't be something that we just forget about in six weeks or eight weeks, but it should be something that happens in our lives every time we're going through a turmoil. That doesn't mean that every turmoil is a punishment from God. I don't know whether this is or isn't. I'm not saying. Time will tell whether this is a judgment from God or not. What I am saying is this. Anytime you face a crisis in your life, like this pandemic and the shutdown, you should be saying, God, is there sin that you want to reveal in my life? God, how can I use this to grow in my Christ-likeness? God, help me to manifest the fruits of the Spirit in a way that is greater than I have previously manifested them. God, help me to rely upon the Holy Spirit to strengthen me and to fill me instead of relying upon my own intellect or my own abilities or my own desires. Dear brothers and sisters, I think these are some really important questions that we ought to ask ourselves. And I think God has given us this pause, especially in America, because we are so busy. Everybody everybody I know is busy. Okay, fine. We're busy. Why are we busy? Who's in control of that? I think sometimes we allow the culture to just sweep us away and we get so busy doing whatever it is that we're doing in this life that we fail to have an eternal perspective. May one of the greatest results of this coronavirus pandemic and the shutdown be a more eternal perspective on the things that happen to you in life and the things that you decide to do in life. God bless you, and may God receive all the glory, honor, praise, and thanksgiving, for he alone is holy. He is mighty, and he is good. Amen. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us on the web at www.gbchapel.org. If you live in Northwest Ohio and you don't have a church home, I would invite you to come and check us out on a Sunday morning when we're able to meet for services again. May God be with you.